Welcome to another episode of Thoughts of a Trillionaire. It is 9.08 a.m. on October 23rd, Friday. And I want to continue on yesterday's episode. On the, I really like that title I came up with there. <laughs> Interwoven Dualities. I really think that's a cool topic and it was a fun thing to talk about and to think about and I've been thinking about it a lot since yesterday so um not just well I'm gonna start on where I left off on the idea of you know globalization versus localization but I also want to go into a few other dualities you know completely unrelated or just different than what I was talking about yesterday in different aspects of life and um yeah see where that goes so um I was thinking that it's really amazing, you know, how we can I remember <laughs> when we traveled to uh New Orleans, New Orleans. <laughs> it took about it was like a 4 or 5 hour drive. And then, you know, when we traveled to Florida, it was about a 12 hour drive. To New York is about the same 12 13 hours. And it's just amazing that you can get to a place in a matter of hours if you're driving at least you get there even faster if you're flying but you know you get to a place in a matter of hours the entire family you get there whereas you know 100 years ago and any other time in history it would have taken weeks weeks if not months to get to the same place to go across town not town, but across state, across state lines, you know, to travel across the country. It would have taken weeks, if not months, without locomotives, without, you know, trains and planes and cars. <laughs> so it really is amazing that we have this, you know, globalized world that we live in, that we can travel so very far. But once again, the problem is that we have went too far to that side. We have crafted our entire society around those modes of transportation. And so, you know, in places like Georgia and a lot of places in in America that suffer from urban sprawl, I think I hear a lot of places in Australia as well. I'm not sure, you know, um, how many other countries or continents suffer this problem but not in these countries you have this urban sprawl so in order for me to get anywhere from where I live right now I have to hop in a car I have to drive a car to get there (laughs) if I walk five minutes out of my house out of my neighborhood I still won't really be there the only thing that's here is a Brewster's and a GAT and gas stations that's it. In order for me to get to the closest store, actual store, like a, like a, I think the closest one is, I don't know, there's quite a few. <laughs> like Walmart, Kroger, you know, these types of stores. There's no way I'd be able to walk there in any, <laughs> you know, close amount of time. It'll take me hours. Take me hours to walk there. And it won't be a comfortable walk. It won't be a fun walk. You know, there's a difference between, you know, a nice scenic walk when you're walking around, you see 
neighbors and you see cool sights and everything no this is going to be half the half the walk is like there's no sidewalk so i'm going to be practically on the street and these cars are going 30 40 50 miles an hour <laughs> so it's dangerous you know it's not fun and thus nobody does it <laughs> you don't see nobody walking from here to walmart but you can drive there very easily about a five minute drive if, if that you know hop in your car and just boom boom you're there you're good but because we have crafted our society around these you know incredible modes of transportation we have kind of destroyed the local communities i'm not going to rehash you know what i said yesterday but i just wanted to bring in that the other aspect of of traveling how amazing it is and yet how sad it is how destructive it is you know I really think we can have a type of community where and, and this is not something new this is not something I'm coming up with I've seen other you know <laughs> a lot more talented and smarter and more experienced people you know designing these types of communities but where the city or the local community or whatever you know has no cars on the interior where you just walk from one place to another within the community you can like the only modes of transportation really that's a, that's a, that's allowed that's even capable is either foot or or bike so you can get to you know anyone's house you can get to you know small stores small local stores and if you want to go further outside the city then there's a there's a not an autobahn but like a um almost like a highway you know a street for actual cars basically <laughs> uh, you know a typical sh street for cars on the outside of the community so you go out that way and you can go to wherever you know wherever these other communities or bigger stores or whatever and i think that's a really interesting model i th definitely think that's something we should do more of we should try to copy we just we should try to test out some more you know you can have parks and stuff like that within this type of community you can have local um stores and shops and all that stuff local businesses uh, maybe you can even have one or two really big businesses i don't know depends on how you want to do it but they take up a lot of space but the point is that because you don't need cars right because you're are, are creating a community that's close-knit that's in, inherently walkable where, where a bike is the only thing you really need or really you don't even need a bike but only the a bike is a, the most advanced form of transportation you can use I mean granted you might be able to use like you know scooters or electric scooters and all that other stuff but you get my point and so because of that you know you're inherently going to create an environment an environment where people are people <laughs> where they can socialize more organically they can feel safer just walking out their house you know you don't have these these massive streets with cars zooming down <laughs> the neighborhood you don't have this fear of getting run over by this you know speeding bullet we call a car can't tell you how many times in history you know the building of a highway has destroyed a community like literally destroyed a community it's happened a lot of times with black communities 
I'm not going to get into that right now. But of course, there's a lot of red tape in the way, like zoning laws. That's that's one of the l bigger factors to why you know we live in the, this urban sprawl that we do now in America. These quote unquote zoning laws. You know, it was originally a sort of good idea because you had these factories being built. The Industrial Revolution and and um, beyond. You had these big companies, you know, building out factories that were polluting the environment whether it was just noise pollution or even worse with you know air pollution and all this other stuff polluting the water and all this stuff right unfortunate happenstance of uh industrial revolution where you know people were just being stupid <laughs> being lazy so when they built these factories, it was absolutely disgusting. Nobody wanted their house, nobody wanted to live next to a factory. So they had zoning laws where, you know, these uh, factories and industrial complexes, industrial things were meant to be in this location, in this area of, of, of the town. And then you had your residential area, right? It sounds so fancy. Ooh, your residential area in this side of town. But then they went on. They said, hey, well... How about we put like a, you know, residential area. You can have schools in a certain area. You can have, you know, shops in another area. It sounds nice, right? It sounds organized. <laughs> but now, that leads us to where we are today. Where you literally can't get anywhere from your house unless you get into a car. And so that leads into, you know, classism. That leads into the destruction of our communities. I mean, how many times I got to say it? Because now you have this uh, ability, you have this problem of these different residential areas, right? Connected to different schools, connected to different shops. Where the taxes of that area, you know, only help the people in that specific residential area. And so as these zoning laws, you know, progress, you also have, you know, greater, you have bigger communities of people who are disconnected, but are still, you know, benefiting from that community. So if you have a residential area where you expect a bunch of, you know, high rollers to live, you can build big houses there. And then relatively close by, you have, you know, in their general vicinity, you have Shops there, more expensive shops, luxury. And, you know, then you're going to have uh, better schools there because these people can pay more taxes. So, as you can see, the problem spirals out of hand. Granted, this is an automatically solved if you have close-knit communities it's not automatically solved that you're going to have you know people of, of various socioeconomic um, statuses living in the same area the same community it's not a given but it's more likely it's more likely and um, another interesting aspect is that or another aspect that I want to think about is that 
you know, because this is something that can be very expensive to do, because you will have to change, you know, a lot of our current infrastructure, like roads, <laughs> we have a lot of roads now. It's going to be very tough to completely like remake how these roads are laid out, how these neighborhoods and shops and stores and everything is laid out. I know that's going to be super expensive. So what we can do is use the modern era, is use the internet, create digital spaces that are virtual simulations of the type of communities that we want to live. If we can create simulations of you know what these communities can be like, then we can have people actually live there virtually. You can buy a virtual house, or rent it or whatever. You can have these virtual shops. People create virtual goods. Or really, they can create actual goods, and you just see them virtually in that virtual area. And when you buy it, it gets shipped to your house. <laughs> How cool would that be? You can go to a virtual school, so you can still be at home, but you can pop into to school and you see your friends. That's, the, that's actually one of the biggest parts of school right now, right? In the 21st century, school is less about education and more about the social factor. Is that that's the only place left. That's really the only place left for kids, for us to see our friends. You know, the adult version of that is work, right? For a lot of people, work is the only place left. The office is the only place left for them to see their friends, their associates, their whatever. Minted adults have, you know, hangout spots. You got clubs and stuff like that. People can go out and have fun and play with, and <laughs> play with their friends. <laughs> That's why COVID-19 is so scary. Not just because of the virus, but because it upends our social life. And we are inherently social creatures. We want to hang out with each other. We want to have friends and connect with each other. So we need to recreate these social centers and we can do so virtually you know it won't take much effort he's not nearly as much as trying to you know rebuild it physically so once we build it virtually we can prove the model we can show that hey it's possible and people really love it and this is what it should look like this is the different benefits that you have this is the different things you can do and so that way you can build up the funds the data and anything else you need to create it physically. But that virtual area, I think is really, really, it's a really powerful idea. Just imagine for a second being able to go online and find a virtual, virtual home, a virtual community of your friends and all that stuff. So instead of just having a Discord community where you're kind of talking to people, and um, texting every now and then you do, and then every now and then you do a voice chat, maybe, you know. I'm not sure if you, <laughs> people listening, go into Discord me communities. I mean, I post this on Discord sometimes, so maybe you all are listening. But you know, you know how it feels when you're in a nice Discord. You can actually feel like you're socializing with people, where you're connected with people, and it just feels so good. Imagine if you can do that, and multiply it out to a virtual 
space, right? We have a virtual avatar. We can feel like you're actually seeing each other. You can still have, you know, text to speech if you want to do that, or you can just talk. You do voice chat, and you're talking with your avatars. I text the voice. <laughs> but yeah, man, I think there's, I'm going to mess with that. I'm going to play around with that myself, actually. Build a virtual community. Because I still haven't seen anybody doing that. And I don't know why, because it's a very simple idea. I mean, you see people like, you know, Second Life doing it. You see Sensor and VR Chat and all that stuff. But it's, it's like they're too focused on the gaming aspect. And don't get me wrong, I love gaming and stuff like that. But whenever people think about this, they, they instantly jump to something like Second Life or The Sims or stuff like that. It has to be a whole game. It doesn't. I mean, granted, VR Chat is not really a game, more of a social area, social chat room. But it's not the same as building a virtual community. Like a real life community, but just in virtual, where you have everything from a home to, to you know, shops to hangout spots to schools, everything. There's still nothing like that yet. Why? I don't know. You got places like Metaverse and um, what else? Virtual Mall. Yeah, like literally a ton of places building out these virtual spaces, which is commendable, which I like. Good job, do more of that. But we don't really have anybody trying to recreate that local community feel. And I really think we're missing something with that. I really think we need to do more of that. But yeah, that's enough of that topic. There's other dualities that I think are very interesting. Let me actually, now that I'm thinking about it, let me go ahead and stop this and make a segment. We're back. <laughs> we reservate those sounds. <laughs> I mean, there's actual sound effects on Anchor, so I could just use that. But anyways, so um, so what are some other dualities? I was thinking about the other day, this idea of how, I'm not going to tell the specifics of why I came up with this, but <laughs> um, the idea of being the main character of your story right this is an actual phenomenon where you know people think that they're are the main character of your story and of course it's natural I mean you live in your body you can only see from your mind and life kind of you know revolve your life revolves around you and I I wonder if that's a good thing or a bad thing you know because on one hand it seems like a bad thing because of course you know, you're worried that are you being self-important? Are you being arrogant? Are you being, you know, conceited or this, that, and the other? But on the other hand, it's a good thing because you have this inherent sense of purpose, inherent sense of um, confidence. You know, that hey, you're 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 living your life the best way that you can. And I think that's, I think it, it is a more positive thing. But of course, you know, like any main character, it, de- it depends on how humble you are. <laughs> like, if you're a good character, if you're if you're reading a character in a story, right? That main character, if they're humble and they're, you know, just nice, a good person, you, you don't really care. 
how important they are. Like you realize that they're important and it, you're, you're rooting for them basically, right? If they're a humble person, if they're, if they're a good person, they could, you're happy that they're, you know, the most important person in, in that world, that they're the dragonborn. They're, you know, the, uh, well, that's a whole RPG. You know? yeah, not the same thing, but, you know, they could be the hero of that story. They could be Goku or Naruto or whatever. Um, so long as they're a nice person, right? Like they they help their friends out. They're um, they're not selfish. They're altruistic in a way. You know, they're always looking out for other people. They're always trying to help. Stuff like that, right? Granted, Goku and Naruto are kind of annoying characters, but <laughs> you don't feel like they're arrogant per se. You don't feel like they're only in it for themselves or anything like that, right? So what makes a, a good main character in a story, in a book, in a, in a game, in a movie, whatever, I think also makes a good main character in your life. So long as you're humble, so long as you're looking out for others, so long as you're, you know, trying to help others and, and do what's best for, you know, not just yourself, but also other people, the community, where you're always trying to improve yourself as well as other people. Then yeah, be the main character. <laughs> it's okay to feel like you're the most important person in the world. Because in in your head, if you see that as just an excuse to help more people, then I don't really see the problem with that. I think we tend to think about, you know, selfishness, self-centeredness as an inherently bad thing. Because of the way those words kind of play out. <laughs> but I should have looked this up maybe before. But I'm pretty sure there's a term in psychology or a concept in psychology. That mentions how, you know, self selfishness is a good thing. Sounds like, well, well, what you're saying, you, you shouldn't be selfish, right? You should be helping other people. But, <laughs> you know, when we look through evolution, through our evolutionary path. We realize that, you know, there you there can't be an inherently altruistic, 100% altruistic creature. They've done so many studies, so many simulations that show that, you know, when you have an inherently altruistic creature, they die off very quickly. <laughs> because simply because of the fact that, you know, they're too busy trying to help everybody else. They don't get their own enough food for themselves. They can't defend themselves, this, that, and the other. So many problems comes up when you're inherently only altruistic. So again, it's, it's, if you look at it, you know, altruism is kind of like perfection. It's a horizon. It's something that you're moving towards. It's something that you um, can set as a goal or a, or a you know, a horizon, you know, just something that you look forward to. <laughs> but it's not something that you will ever reach. It's not something that you will ever 100% be. You will never be perfect. You will never be altruistic, 100% altruistic. But as you move towards that, you know, as you keep moving towards that, it helps you to be humble. It helps you to realize that you can always do more to help other people. But it's good to be inherently selfish because you have to be to survive, right? And that's not a bad thing. 
that's another problem with this idea of binaries and dualities. People think that because you're selfish, that means you have to be self-centered. That means you have to be, you know, only looking out for yourself. But that's not what it means. Being selfish simply means being alive. <laughs> simply means doing, doing what's best for your survival and your improvement. Improving yourself. And what people also don't realize is that because we live in this world with other people, because we, li we live in a society, right? And even before society existed how we say it today, because we are simply creatures, because we are animals, because we are living beings, doing what's best for your survival also means, also means doing what's best for your community. I'm not saying this as a communist or you got to, you know, <laughs> do all that stuff. It's just a simple fact of life. As a social creature, in order to live the best life you can, you have to help out other people. You have to make sure that your community is good. You have to make sure that, you know, the community around you, the environment is a good environment. And as a sentient creature, that means that we are able to consciously improve our environments a beaver or whatever they cut ooh, they cut down trees and they you know form dams and stuff like that they change their environment as they see fit it's to help them it's to help themselves they're selfish but at the same time it helps the environment you know at the same time it reroutes rivers where it needs to be <laughs> It stops floodings in certain areas. It creates new ecosystems for other species to live. Same thing for us being human. We can mold and manipulate our environment to better our, ourselves, but also to better the environment. When certain things are overpopulated, <laughs> you know, we can hunt them down or, or re... re uh, what do you call it? Transplant them to another, you know, location. If forest burns down, we can help, you know, seed the new area. We can save things on the brink of extinction. Unfortunately, a lot of the problems that <laughs> in nature has been due to us, you know, being too self-centered. Because... In the last couple hundred years, since the Industrial Revolution, and really since agriculture, really, we've kind of gotten this idea that being selfish means being self-centered. That we should only be looking out for ourselves. We forgot the duality. We forgot the spectrum. We forgot that balance. That we could be the main character of our stories... But being the best main character, being a good main character, being a good guy, a, a, a hero or whatever you want to call it, a good person, means also helping out your environment and your community. So we were the main character of our stories as a, as a society, as a civilization, but <laughs> we were the villain. We're kind of still the villain. That's not a good place to be. That's, you know, 
Do villains get the good ending? <laughs> you might you might say, yeah, maybe a villain should get the good ending, but only in those stories where the villain is actually not a bad guy, <laughs> and the villain is really just you know person trying to live their life, and the hero is kind of an asshole, you know. And those types of stories, <laughs> we realize that hey, maybe the villain isn't so bad, right? I, I understand the villain's uh, ethos. I'm not gonna get into the whole thing of of uh, what makes a good villain and you know make him relatable and all that stuff. My only point here is that we've become we are the main character of our story, but a lot of us have been the villains of our story. A lot of us have think have 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 this in our head that being the main character means being the villain. Because you know you're selfish, because you're self-centered, because everything is about you. Because you're self-important, because you know, if you're the main character, then everything has to go your way, and you know, you have to, you know, tell everybody what to do. Yeah, you have to rule the world, you have to rule the world with an iron. I think that's a big problem with a lot of billionaires and, you know, leaders today. They say a lot of these leadership positions, you know, kind of uh, attract psychopaths <laughs> because of the way that we've structured our businesses in our world. If we, you know, have created a society where being the main character means being a villain, then of course we're going to attract more villains. <laughs> We're going to attract, you know, the sort of bad people to those positions of leadership. And so it's just going to continue the cycle. So in order for us to fix this problem, we have to look at our mentality on an individual level and on a social level, on a societal level. We have to realize that being the main character of our story does not mean being a villain, does not mean being self-centered. Because once again, the best main characters, the good people, the heroes, they're the people looking out for others. They're the people that truly cares for others. I'm not talking about, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of sad when you think about it. When you look at all the different heroes that we have today, we kind of grew, quote unquote, tired of the, you know, <laughs> the actual good hero. We now have stories where the hero is the bad guy. You know, something like The Boys. It was a great, great series. I, I, I really enjoyed w- watching it, but you got to be honest here. We kind of messed up. We're kind of messed up here. <laughs> we have this idea where, you know, so many of our heroes are kind of bad people. You know? Granted, you know, things like um, Justice League and Avengers, they're kind of towing that line. You know, that's why, you know, um, Marvel is a little bit, it's a little bit better in, in, in that aspect. And that it doesn't try to make the heroes super, like super people, like like Superman. The reason why people got kind of annoyed with Superman. I mean, a lot of people still like Superman, but a lot of people don't. Because it seems unrealistic that you'll be like a paragon of virtue all the time. <laughs> right? They always people see Clark Kent and Superman as a goody two shoes, <laughs> which is kind of sad when you look at it. But 
you know, kind of, I kind of get your, get the point. Is 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 because Superman seems perfect. It seems perfect, and we know we are not perfect people. Again, it's that duality. We've gotten to a point where, once again, we think perfection. There's either perfection or, or just just bad. <laughs> you either. Superman or your home or your homelander <laughs> right maybe it's not that bad in a lot of people's heads but just look at the type of media that we look at right the type of heroes people like you either this perfect Superman character or you're a flawed Batman character where you know you're very edgy beating up on people <laughs> super smart and everything like that you know but not necessarily a good person right doesn't seem like he's a good person sometimes or maybe that's the the type of life people want people just want to live a life where they have excess amount of you know money and and gadgets and and women and stuff like that right that that's that goes into the whole other problem of our society terms of uh toxic masculinity and all that stuff i'm not going to get into that right now but i hope you know what i you get what i mean now in this terms of duality of the main character right where we think being a hero means either being perfect means that you have to be perfect or it means that you're going to be more like a villain either a a fake hero like homelander or you know, any of those bot heroes. <laughs> or you're going to be like Superman, where you have to be, like, perfect all the time. Well, I think Marvel does have some good, you know, heroes. You got people like Iron Man, who you know is, is obviously, you know, has some faults. But at the end of the day, they still seem like a good person, you know. Has some serious faults, but... At the end of the day, you're still rooting for them. They're still doing good. They're still trying to do good. They have the character arc. You have Black Panther. You have Spider-Man. You have all these characters in Marvel that are... They have faults. They're not perfect. But they're still heroes. And I think that's, that's a good way of looking at it. You know, as a main character of your story, you don't have to be perfect. If you feel like you're the most important person in the world, if you feel like you have this this crazy dream, I'm kind of talking about myself here in, t- <laughs> in some aspect because I kind of have to be when you're talking about, you know, I'm going to be a trillionaire. Even though I don't see myself as the most important person, but I see myself as somebody who can be very important, who can change the world, right, for the better. I have to be, to have this crazy ambition. But I don't see myself as... Perfect. I don't see myself as, you know, a paragon of what people should be like or anything like that. I know I have faults. I have a lot of faults. And being, you know, better, being a better person doesn't mean being more perfect. It simply means being able to deal with those faults in a good way. It simply means being able to remember that even through the purpose I have and the the things I want to accomplish... To never forget that I'm doing this for a better world. 
that I'm doing this to help other people. Right? And I think that people kind of lose that track. They lose that idea as they get more successful or as they get to a point where they really feel like a hero, right? They really feel very important. You kind of forget that in order to help other people, you always have to be on their level. You have to ask people, you know, am I helping you? <laughs> you can't assume that what you're doing is helping people. That's another problem. If you want to be altruistic, you can't just do something and expect people to thank you for it. It's kind of like being a UX designer. That's why I love being a UX designer, even though it's, I'm only just starting. It's because as a UX designer, when you design something, you can't just design it and be like, yeah, I solved your problem. Give me money. <laughs> Give me good ratings or whatever, right? You have to actually do tests. You have to do research. You have to ask these people, hey, what's your problem? What, what's your biggest problem? What are you dealing with right now? What's your pain points? You know, why, why do you, why do you uh, feel like that's your problem? What, and stuff like that. You ask some good questions about that research to really understand, you know, what their, what their issues are. Then you build solutions to solve those problems, to solve that main problem. And then you test it again. You say, hey, does this solve your problem? <laughs> you know, you, you watch them go through your solution. You see if it actually helped them. And then you keep doing that. So to me, being a U.S. designer is the, the template for being a hero. For being a real hero. Not somebody who assumes that they're solving your problem or who just wants adoration and adulation and stuff like that or who... It's trying to be perfect all the time or anything like that. No. For me, being a hero, being a main character, whatever, is about really, truly solving people's problems. And verifying, iterating, researching, you know, testing to see if it actually solved their problem. So, yeah, you can be the main character. You can be the hero. You can be whatever, you know, that main character looks like to you. So long as you remember that you're still just like everybody else. <laughs> that you're still a sentient creature here on this earth living this life. That you still, you know are searching for a community to be with that you want to improve the environment and the community and stuff like that so that your kids so that the next main characters can live an even better life and solve bigger problems I think that's a good place to end Basically did like two different podcasts in one episode. <laughs> but um, yeah, that was on my mind today. But once again, as always, please let me know. I'm solving your problem, right? Whatever reason that you listen to these podcasts, does it help you? What, what, what itch does it scratch? You know? What are you taking away from these podcasts, if anything? 
<laughs> why do you listen and, and what, what keeps you listening? I'd love to know. Whether you're listening today, tomorrow, next year, or 10 years from now, hit me up. I will answer. I will be happy to talk. I might be more busy than I am today in 10 years and 15 years and 20, 30, 50 years. But I'm still going to be open. Because that's the life I want to live. That's the type of person I want to be. So as always, let me know what you do. What you want to do about you know, your life and about being the main character of your story and what you're doing right now to be the main character. To be the best person that you can be to help your community and help your environment. And let me know what you think. What you're thinking about this podcast, about this audio journal, about, you know, your life. And what you think about everything else. <laughs> Thanks again for listening. And, uh... Once again, at ElijahCloud, E-L-I-J-A-H-C-L-A-U-D-E, on Gmail, Twitter, YouTube, probably other other spaces when you see this in the years from now. Probably ElijahCloud.com. I'm going to turn my site into a virtual environment one day and uh, hopefully be much easier for people to get in contact with me in a more visceral, more interesting way than typical, you know, text through Gmail and stuff like that. But yeah, hit me up. I would love to talk and communicate and see how I'm, how I am helping you, if, if I am. And um, as always, have a great day. Thanks. Bye-bye.